Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Today, we're welcoming Jillian Gertzen. She has over 20 years of experience of health coaching, and her personalized lifestyle strategies help clients redefine what fitness means to them. We're discussing her book, The Elephant in the Gym. Jillian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So what inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, I've been, as you said, I've been coaching clients for over 20, almost over 20 years now, actually. I need to keep recalculating. And uh, I kept having the same conversations with my clients. And really the predominant theme was that many of my clients felt like there was something wrong with them, um, that, that they couldn't stick with it, that they wouldn't, you know, couldn't adhere to these programs and plans, um, the ones out there that they were trying before they came to me. And I, and it left me feeling like, huh, there's really something we're missing here. Uh, and I, and I wanted to address it. And I kept having the same conversations with people and I just felt like there were some key themes that were coming up that I felt like I could offer out to a broader audience. So what kind of things um, are, are coming up for people? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest ones is what I mentioned, which is that, you know, people are left feeling like everybody else is doing awesome and that everybody else has it all figured out and it's just them out there struggling. Um, but the reality is that most people struggle with their health and fitness. You know, if we even just look at some of the stats, um, you know, 80% of Canadians and about the same in 80% of Americans are struggling to be consistent with even just that basic physical activity for health benefit. Um, and so that's kind of that daily little bout of, ex- of, of movement that kind of generates a little bit more, uh, increases your heart rate and gets your body moving a little bit. And so, you know, we're left with this feeling that somehow we're, we're missing the boat. Um, that's one of the themes. The other theme is that, you know, that that if you're on the plan and if you're following things, then you're healthy. And if you're not following the plan, then you're somehow unhealthy, like it's some sort of switch. Um, and, our health, and our bodies just don't work that way, as you know. <laughs> and, and, and so it was just really about helping people see that they can define health on their own terms and that they can find a way to be healthy that maybe isn't following a, you know, pre-made out plan, but that really they can tailor it to their own needs. So is this what you mean by the elephant in the gym? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the elephant, really, there's, there's a few. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the predominant one is really that the way that we're approaching health and fitness change, or what I call the health and fitness paradigm, is broken. You know, we're coming at things from a place of, you know, a desire to do. We have a desire to kind of the, the, the theme, that, or the paradigm as I define it is that we have a desire to change and we pair that with hard work and a program and we should get our desired outcome. The problem is that at every level of that paradigm, every level of that kind of formula, uh, there's really big issues. <laughs> One is that, you know, if we even look from the beginning, you know, the desired outcome, the place where we think we're all trying to head is for a lot of people, especially women, I mean, I know men deal with this as well, but a very, very narrow visual of what we think healthy is supposed to look like. And so we're all shooting towards this, you know, visual of a bikini model. And, you know, very few of us are ever going to get there. In fact, those bikini models don't look like that most of the time. So (laughs) if we kind of pair that back, we look at the kind of desire to change. Well, where's that coming from? And where's that, you know, well, I should, you know, I hear a lot of, I should, I should do this and I should do that. Where is that should coming from? A lot of times that's the guilt and shame talking and what, how productive is that? You know, the research would lead us to, it's not very productive at all, actually. And then we have the, the program and this idea that there's just one way to be healthy and fit and that, you know, and it changes with the seasons, as you know, you know like <laughs> one season it's, you know, this type of eating and this type of exercise and one season it's something completely different. Um, and then that, the whole notion of hard work that you've got to kind of have that grit and stick to it and like, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And I, I think that that's really harmful to our positive relationship with health and fitness. So at every level of kind of this paradigm, we have these major issues. And if we can just shine a light on those challenges, 
I, I believe, because I've seen it in my clients and I've seen it in myself, is that if we can kind of be aware of all that, um, then we can look at to a different way of approaching the whole thing. So where do you think that we're getting these ideas of we should do a certain mm. thing or we should look a certain way? Absolutely. I mean, I think media is a big piece of this puzzle. I think that, um, you know, we're surrounded by images from a very young age of, you know, even if we look at fitness marketing or health-related marketing, it's a very narrow image of what health looks like, you know, and it's, it's very chiseled. <laughs> it's very lean. And I'm not saying that those bodies aren't healthy, but I, what I would say is that health has a much more diverse um, and a broad visual look. And in fact, the whole conversation needs to shift entirely, in my opinion, away from that aesthetic outcome and towards a functional outcome. Like, how do you want to feel in your body? What do you want to be able to do with it? <laughs> Not necessarily, well, how does it look doing it? And I know one of the issues with social media is that the models are photoshopped. So if they Absolutely. have imperfections, or basically they're 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 cutting out some of their you know muscle because we know yeah. they don't have fat fat on their body, just to give them a thigh Ab- gap or you know whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So all these images we see, they're actually not even real. <laughs> so we're we're being you know bombarded by these images. And, you know, and then there's, so there's this, that marketing side of things that we're not being presented with diversity. We're not being presented with, you know, a full range of what health can look like. Um, and then there's the obsession with looking that way and how much energy that takes. You know, I think the other thing that we don't talk about is that how much energy, you know, coming from a fitness background, there's a ton of work and a ton of almost obsessive focus that it takes to look that way. And, that's not kind of how it's presented. So a lot of marketing, unfortunately, of the uh, perhaps uh, lacking integrity is like, you know, do this, you know, 30-minute-a-day program and look like this is kind of the message because that's the image that's paired with it. Well, people that look that way don't get there by 30 minutes a day. They just don't. There's a lot of focus on nutrition. There's a lot of focus on a, a lot of intensity with their exercise. And again, I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. I'm just saying that that's not realistic for most people. Um, I think the other really predominant issue is the highlight reel of social media. You know, I think we're surrounded by all the good stories of people with their sweaty selfies and they're drinking their green juice, and that's great. Again, awesome, good for them. But you know, we don't. I always, I, I joke that we don't post our fails unless they're funny. You know, and so we don't post the day we hit snooze and skip the gym. We don't post the day that we, you know, went through the drive-through because we just couldn't, didn't have the energy to make dinner that night. So we're left feeling with everybody else has got this figured out. Everybody else is doing this. I'm some sort of outlier because I don't, I don't have it got figured out. Well, and and that's one of the things that social media is doing. I've, I've had conversations about it on this show where it, it's not real what we're seeing. So we can yeah. um, portray a certain part of ourselves um, and hide the other things. We can actually Photoshop ourselves or just show those totally. pictures of us the way we want to look, but not the reality of what's actually happening in our lives because we're hiding right. a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then what does that do for us, you know, emotionally, mentally, and even functionally, like what we think is possible in a day? Yeah. Yeah, Well, we're 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 hiding the parts of ourselves that we're ashamed of or whatever. We just want to portray a certain look. And then we're also not seeing those those parts of other people. And, you know, I'm I'm thinking about the story that you shared in your book about, um, you know, post-baby and, you know, you had a belly and everybody was so thankful that you shared this picture because it was more real and it just showed you know what they were experiencing and instead of just this perfect picture of you post baby it was a real picture yeah yeah and and it, it it blew my mind the response I got from that picture because I thought how many other women were left because even I as a fitness professional was left feeling like why does my body still look this way like why why can't I quote unquote fix this because we're left with this notion that somehow again because of media because of this nobody's talking about it we don't have a real a real clear understanding of what a postnatal body looks like <laughs> um, and and also again we're just getting you just made a human could you maybe have some grace for yourself you know give yourself some space and grace to 
you know, you know, I don't like to use the words get your body back because I, you don't ever get your body back as a mom. You just, it, it's an evolved body. <laughs> and, you know, the whole, the goal is to kind of, can you get back to the activities you love? Can you um, feel happy and content in your body? Well, um, yeah, I, I think that's important even if we're not post-baby. I think it's actually oh, really difficult for us to Can we get there. Happy, in our body, yeah. right? <laughs> and it doesn't matter how perfect our body looks. I think we, we're trained to feel that way. And I don't know if, if you've noticed this, but even if we took social media out, I think people would still be affected because of learned behavior from their family or their friends. Totally. I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't have social media, but we certainly had magazines. And then we would, you know... There would be conversations about, you know, the fat that we thought we had when we were, you know, 12 right. and probably didn't have you know, it's any. <laughs> I had a conversation with um, someone yesterday and she was talking about that family impact. And, you know, we do learn from our families. And so, you know, I share in the book that, you know, I grew up and I, in my experiences, my mom was kind of always on a diet. Bless her. She was just doing her best. And, and I just came to assume that that's just what women did that we, our bodies were something meant to be fixed. And mm-hmm. that's the, I've heard that message from a lot of women that that's kind of had, that their experience, had been their experience as well. But it was interesting because I had a conversation with somebody yesterday. She's like, my mom was never on a diet and we never had these conversations. And this is someone who has a very healthy relationship with food and fitness. And I just thought that's really interesting that how much of an impact that had. She was still you know, presented with these magazines, but she says even from an early age, she, she kind of looked at those magazines and thought, that's ridiculous. Why are we just so focused on this and that? So, you know, it does make such a dramatic impact, um, our family experience for sure. Well, and, and for you, if you were watching your mom be on a diet all the time, you, you know, that's a learned behavior that, that you would have yeah. assumed is something that you need to do. And, yeah. um, you know, my mom was very, very forward thinking and wanted me to be po- body positive, but she still had her, her own issues that she was trying to deal yeah. with, which came out sometimes, And even though she didn't want that for me, right? And so you hear it and you're little and, and, and you don't, you don't know that, that, um, you, you know, even though I was taught one thing, I heard a different thing. Sometimes she was actually really good right. about it because she tried very hard to make it different. But I think that, you know, we have to work on on our own selves for the sake of, of children if we have them or just people around us or just for our own self, you know, so we can be comfortable right. in our body and, and who we are. Absolutely. Well, it was interesting, too, in this conversation, this woman was sharing that she has developed a really healthy relationship with food and her body, but her sister hasn't. And so they had the very same upbringing. So it's, there's so many factors at play. There's, you know, there's the family experience. There's, you know, the media we're presented at, whether, you know, what are the, fa- the other people that we're spending a lot of time with, our friends and their families, and how did the, all of those experiences add up to creating our relationship with our, our, our bodies and food and fitness? Well, and even if if we're overweight at a young age, I know we'll get teased and, um, you know, we're not very nice to each other in that regard as well. And that Mm -hmm. can make it really difficult because if, you know, I remember at one point I was, um, I grew faster than a friend and I weighed 20 pounds more than her. We were probably 10 at the time. And, um, you know, that comparison in my mind was actually that I was taller. (laughs) Right. But, but, you know, that's not where my mind went at such a young age because I was wondering why I weighed so much more and I was 10 you know and and so so being that hard on myself and also just just how hard we are on each other Mm -hmm. we're not we're not nourishing as a society kindness I think no no I mean we we nourish competition we nourish comparison um, and I think, I feel like the tides are shifting. I feel like we're having more and more conversations uh, around body positivity. We're seeing an increase in like conversations about creating great self-esteem and we're seeing more conversations about, you know, self-efficacy and we're seeing more conversations about, you know, that we're all different and diversity is so important. And so I think, I feel like the tides are shifting. I, I, I'm hopeful that the tides are shifting. 
Yeah, well, I am too. And I I think it will actually take generations because, you know, like I said, my mom was very conscious about it. That little bit trickled through. And so we need to make those those changes on those levels until we're at that point where we're comfortable as a society with being imperfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's a big piece of this is that there's this perception that we have to be kind of glossy. I think that's what the highlight reel is about, too, like that there's this perception we have to at least present as if we're, things are all great. <laughs> when, yeah. You know, it's finding that balance of vulnerability where we can share that, hey, things aren't perfect, and that's okay, too, that we are allowed to have, you know, you know life. Life happens, you know, and yeah. that's just, it's how we roll with it. <laughs> And, and after you have a baby, is, is exercising an hour every day really your priority? Uh, no, no, it is not. It is, uh, exactly. <laughs> keep it all human alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yourself. <laughs> um, and we're going to take. Yes, that is, yeah, exactly. that is important. In order to keep other humans alive, one must also stay kicking yourself. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Jillian Gertzen. Uh, we're discussing her book, The Elephant in the Room. Oh, sorry, The Elephant in the Gym. <laughs> we'll be back shortly. Common mistake. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect how you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margo, featuring host Margo Nielsen. Margo and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Jillian Gertzen. We're discussing her book, The Elephant in the Gym. So, Jillian, why do you think it is that we can't follow through with exercise programs? I think you said 80% of the time. Yeah. I think one of the biggest problems is kind of this idea that, well, there's so many layers to this, but I would say some of the biggest problems are that, you know, a lot of programs um, are very uh, extensive or extreme. And so we're drawn to these more extreme programs because they, pr- they promise, they're, they're, they're kind of sexy. They're, they promise us really great outcomes if you just, you know, you kind of go all in. The problem with going all in and doing these more extreme programs that are, you know, kind of going zero to hero is that, the example I often give is that, you know, when you learn to swim, you didn't learn to swim by most of us, by there's always the odd actually, um, outlier in this case, but you didn't learn by jumping in the deep end. You learned by being in the shallow end, learning how to float. You then, you know, maybe learned a few strokes. You learned how to breathe in the water. And then with time, you inched your way out to that deep end and learned how to get, how to manage out there. 
but that's not how we typically approach our health and fitness. We, we decide we're going to make a change, and we try to change about 20 things all at one time. And we don't usually also look at the same time, how do I adjust my life to make all this new stuff fit in? We just try to pack it all in on top of everything else we're already doing. And it's kind of a recipe for disaster. So we've got these, you know, extreme programs where they're, we're doing a lot all at once. It's a huge change. So we're not really honoring where we're starting from. We're just jumping all in. And that's really just not, a, you know, not conducive to us being successful. Um, yeah. Well, the the jumping all in. There are some personalities where that 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 works for. Where they're, there's they always going to be the mind. outlier that, yeah. that like I, that I, jump actually, all in. It totally works for them. But the majority yeah. of people, what I find is, all in it usually doesn't, doesn't out, <laughs> result in yeah. good good outcomes. Well, I'm I'm actually an all in person. <laughs> but oh yeah. My mind, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you happen go. Now, and I got to do it. But um, I know, like I've I've had discussions with a friend who's the total opposite. She has to, you know, yeah. do one thing at a time and and ease into it and doesn't like to be overwhelmed. Or she'll just if it's too overwhelming, she'll stop. And I know a lot of people well, are like that. So so well, and uh, I think it's also yeah. like how do you define all in? I also think you know, like you might be all in, but you might also be utilizing a lot more strategies than you think you are. I think the people that do well with all in, it's like they already have maybe a bit of a foundation of fitness. They've been fit in the past and they just, they're just re- resuming an older pattern that they've already had. I'm more talking about that person that's always struggled with their health and fitness. They've never really consistently exercised. Um, and then they jump all into these like, you know, five or six days a week at the gym or doing some sort of fitness program. And they, you know, they're making all these changes to their nutrition all at once. And, you know, and, you know, while they're at it, they're going to start meditating. <laughs> like they're just trying to do about 20 things all at once, you know, and even within the nutrition conversation, they're, they're, cha- they're like complete overhaul all at once, which, you know, if you're changing all those things, how many, you know, there's a conversation around kind of the, the brain side of this and behavioral change. You know, you think about all the things you're changing all at once, well, all of those big changes all at once require a lot of mental capacity. So every time you're having to like really think about those new decisions, those new habits, that takes mental power. Um, and there's only so much mental power we have over the course of our day. So when we're making all those changes all at once, it's really difficult. It's a lot of work for the brain to just stay focused on that. Um, and so that can result in a bit of a d- decision fatigue. And so then what I see a lot of people doing is they'll be really great for the majority of the day and then they fall off in the evening or they'll do it really well for like a week or maybe five, five days or a week or two weeks or even a month. But then after that period of time, it's like, oh, okay. And then they go back to the old patterns. So it's, it's really about finding your personal approach that's going to work for you. And like really honoring it, you know, if you are someone that responds well to all in, well, great, find the way to all in that works for you and works for your life and know that that will evolve and change with time. Well, I think, um, you know, what you said is probably true, although I'm, you know, the all in for me is I make a decision to do something and I'm probably going to be doing it the next day or as soon as I can. And I get kind of antsy, okay, I want to do this. Right. But at the same time, um, you know, yes, I've also done it before, but I also recognize a need for rest. And and that's part of any regime that I take on, which I think is a balance that not everybody has where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to work out, but I need this time to myself as well. And I also have to do this. And I want that balance in my day. And and do you find that when people are, are starting these programs, they're having trouble with that part? Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it's just even a scheduling thing. It's like, how do I make space if I'm doing all these things and I, I, don't, I don't have time for rest? <laughs> you know, I, I don't have time to take a day off. Well, you know, the body doesn't work that way. And, and a lot of what I talk about in the book is just really the science behind, you know, how does your body respond to exercise and how important rest and recovery is in the conversation of, you know, more traditional fitness, not just physical activity, but in fitness, how important it is to to take time off, how it is important it is to have a bit of an off season. Well, one of the other things I do in my um, practice is I, I help people with running, and um, and a lot of my recreational athletes they they don't like. I would say, when's you're going to be your off season? Like, what's the period of the year where you're just going to back your running off just a little bit? You don't have to stop running, but just you're not going to be focused on a race for like a month or two. 
And <laughs> like, what? I'm always focused <laughs> on a race. And so, but that off season, if you look at professional athletes, they all have an off season. They all have a period of time where they're not as focused. They're not as, you know, all in. And I think whether you're a runner, whether you're just an exerciser, that off season is so important. So it's not just the rest that we're taking within our week, giving ourselves time to just breathe and allow our bodies to recover, but it's also that that recovery period within the year. Are we always hammering things? Are we always pushing hard? You know, in everything we're doing, not just fitness, but just in life, you know, we, if we're always all, all, all in, we never give ourselves that time, you know, that has, a, that has an effect that isn't necessarily mm-hmm. always great. Well, one thing I do is I work with people who are are chronically ill, and as they're getting Mm -hmm. better, they want to get back to the way they were. And of course, part of my conversation with them is you won't get back there because you've changed and and you're moving forward. But also, they want to go back to the exercise regime that they had after maybe not doing it for a couple of years or whatever it's been. And and I have to tell them to to slow down, you know, maybe start with a walk and, and ease into it and, you know, just like... If you were going to run a marathon, you don't start with a 5K. You start with a jog and see how you go. Is that is yeah. that something that, that you help people Absolutely. With? Well, I think one of the big messages that I hope people hear in the book is, you know, start where you are and lean in. And, you know, when you've, it's challenging when you kind of have this vision of, I want to get back there. But one of the, the things that is so important that I think we need to understand more is that, we as humans are always evolving, and there are lots of so many factors at play in terms of our, you know, capabilities. So you look at somebody who's got, you know, a chronic condition, and like your normal has has evolved, and so it's like when I'm talking with new moms, it's the same thing, really. Like your what is quote unquote normal for you, or what how you define health now is going to be different than how you dis- defined it pre-kids or pre-chronic condition. It's, it's going to be a different kind of normal. So it's about redefining health and what that looks for you like, like for you right now. And then how do you lean into that and find the habits and routines and behaviors that really work for you now and allowing those to grow, you know, with some, you know, some space and grace to kind of grow with you. So, you know, starting where you are and then building to where you want to be and what does optimal health look for you like for you right now? I think I I love that you're saying that. It's like right now. It's not what it was 20 years ago. It's not what it's going to be. It, it it's where where you're at right now. So whether it's a chronic illness, a baby, or just that you've gotten older and your body's changed and your capabilities have changed, you need to Absolutely. recognize that and and you know give yourself a little bit of grace so that you're not pushing yourself beyond your capabilities and hurting yourself. Because really, like, if, if you push so hard that you end up hurting yourself or, you know, triggering your condition or, you know, you, you know, injuring yourself or getting sick all the time, like, is that health for you? Is that what you want? You know, I think that we need to kind of step back and be like, what is the bigger picture objective here? I want to be, I want to move so that I can have a healthy body, that I can say yes to any adventure. Like, I think some of that's kind of my definition of health is like, for physical um, capability, I, I really want to be able to, like, so if someone says, let's go climb a mountain, I want to say, okay, great, let's go. When are we, we going to go? <laughs> um, but for that other, you know, for somebody who's been dealing with, you know, a chronic condition, like, that might be, I want to be able to play with my kids on the floor, or I want to be able to go for a bike ride with my family. And so how do you get, if you're, that's your definition of physical capability and a healthy body, how are we going to get you there? Because that's, that's the goal, is, like, how do we want to live in our bodies? Yeah, which I I think is important because there there's one uh, point in your book you talked about um, when this lady reached her goal and said that she was disappointed <laughs> because it wasn't this amazing you know lights flashing moment. Oh she still felt nope. the same in her body even though she yeah. reached her goal weight. Yeah. Yeah, there was no balloons and confetti. It was, it was yeah. such a funny moment because it, it was a, a real-life experience where a, a client was sharing that she'd reached her goal weight and and she was felt fine, found herself disappointed. <laughs> and somebody else in the room asked, you know, what, what, what were you expecting? And she joked that she was expecting balloons and confetti. And that is the relationship we have with goals. Uh, you know, and sometimes I love goals 
And for some people, setting goals is actually part of the problem is because we get to the goal and then what? So it's about, you know, what happens after the goal? Well, really nothing happens after the goal. It's just you on the other side of the goal. And so instead of looking at the goal as the end-all, be-all, instead looking at what's the practice that's going to help me get to the goal, and then how does that live and breathe beyond the goal? Well, how many people reach the goal and then are done? Okay, I did it. And then they stop doing everything because they reach their goal, and then they slide back to where, where they were and, of course, gain back more weight because they did some sort of crash diet. Yeah, well, and, and not even like goal weights. It happens like I, with, with runners, I see it all the time. They achieve their, their goal to run 10K or they achieve their goal to run a half or a full marathon. And then all of it, like I'll talk to them a month later, as much as I've advised them, like make sure you set a goal for after the event <laughs> or like to think about what's next for you in your running. Even if it's an off season, what does that look like? What's the practice going to look like? Even if I've done all that coaching, sometimes I'll run into them a month later. They're like, I've not been running at all. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay. So how can we get you back into your running? Or do you want to do running anymore? Maybe you want to take a break and do something different. And that's okay too. So it's mm-hmm. like really let yourself have those goals to keep your focus because a lot of people do find that goals can be such a powerful um, tool to help you focus your practice of healthy living so you know by having that marathon out there or having that 10k out there or you know even having kind of a goal body composition out there can help you kind of stay focused I would say the body composition one isn't my favorite but you know having goals isn't all bad if they allow you to focus your practice of healthy living if they allow you to kind of focus on the tasks to get there and then beyond. Well, and I wonder how many people have a certain goal, like, you know, the, the, the body composition, and then they're, they're working out and doing something they don't enjoy because they're trying mm-hmm. to reach that goal. And then because they don't enjoy it, they don't keep doing it. Yeah. And I think that's a huge piece you've just hit on is the joy. And I think... We have a very uh, unfortunate, punitive, and chore-like relationship with both health and fitness. So a lot of people who really struggle with health and fitness, when they come to me, it's a lot of groaning. It's a lot of, I should do this, but I don't really want to, and I really don't like it. And Mm -hmm. so then my conversation back to them is, let's figure out what you do enjoy doing, because if you enjoy doing it, the chances you're actually going to do it and stick with it are way greater. It's not going to be that it's going to be easy because, you know, changing your behavior is hard. And let's be honest, most exercise, it's it's not easy. There's a reason that, you know, it takes some effort, right? So I, I think it's about finding the things about movement that you can enjoy, whether that's you know, I encourage people to look at their, what's your per- fitness personality? Like, how do, you, how do you like moving your body? When you've moved your body in the past and you've really had a lot of fun doing it, what were you doing? For some people, that's being in nature. For some people, that's doing fitness classes because they like the music and the social environment. Some people, they like to dance. Some people, they like to hike and see different things. Or, you know, there's in my book, one of the resources is 99 ways to move your body. There's so many ways to move your body and be healthy. And so I think we need to move away from this punitive chore-like relationship we have. You know, it happens with food too. Like, well, I should eat the, you know, the broiled chicken and then the steamed broccoli, but, you know, I really, what I really want is this, you know, a more indulgent meal. It's like, okay, well, what's the happy medium there? You know, Mm -hmm. healthy eating doesn't have to be punitive. Healthy eating is actually how we are honoring and serving and respecting our body. And it can be really delicious, too. There's lots of really healthy and delicious options out there. Well, let's talk about food when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with, with Jillian Gertzen, and we're discussing her book, The Elephant in the Gym. We'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. 
Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect how you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margot, featuring host Margot Nielsen. Margot and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking today with Jillian Gertzen, and we're discussing her book, The Elephant in the Gym. So, Jillian, before the break, you started talking about food, which we haven't gotten to that yet. And, of course, mm-hmm. anytime anybody approaches a uh, fitness regime, it's usually, it's, I actually feel like it's more about food than, than exercise. People will embrace that a little bit more over the workout part. Um, where mm-hmm. do you think this fails for people? Oh, loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I you've got five minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, go. Snappy. Um, yeah. I would say that some of the biggest challenges we face around our relationship or, or, or with food in general is our relationship with food, that we have somewhere along the way a lot of people have developed this very, um, that food has a relationship with their moral compass. So what I hear a lot of is, I was so bad I ate a cupcake. Well, you're not a bad person because you ate a cupcake. So, you know, there's a lot of shame and guilt around food. And while guilt can be a productive emotion in some, in some, in, in some instances, it can be a productive moment, um, emotion to get us started, uh, the research is very clear that it actually has a very detrimental effect long-term. It, it's not a sustainable reason to keep us going. And so with food and, you know, definitely there's a lot of emotion tied into food. And then there's a ton, a ton of misinformation and just information overload. So when I hear from clients, like the one conversation that I relay that I think really hits it on the head is someone was, I was chatting with a new client. She's like, well, where do you stand on carrots? And I said, I think they're a great vegetable, <laughs> you know, and she's like, well, are they okay to eat? And I'm like, yes, unless you're like allergic or there's some reason you can't have carrots. And she's like, but they're so high in sugar. Hmm. And I just thought, oh gosh, you know, carrots aren't our problem. Like, but that's yeah. the level of misunderstanding about information around food that I think that people are, are grappling with. And so... There's so much information, they're getting into this kind of information overload state, so there's this desire to then just give me a meal plan with a grocery list and all these things written out, and I will just follow that. But that doesn't really teach people anything, and it tends to lead to people being very overwhelmed. Um, and then, we, as we talked about earlier, like kind of like trying to change to 10 million things all at once, rarely, it does in some instances, but rarely ends in good outcomes long-term. So it's, well, it's it's a loaded it's a loaded topic for sure. Well, it, it definitely is because there's there's all these crash diets out there, and and I often wonder if people do well on them because of 
the the where they're starting from you know they're they're eating poorly and they're eating fast food and they're eating a lot of sugar and you know if gluten's an issue that's going to cause some water retention and and weight in some people and and you know they're not assessing something that could be more simple and they're going to this very very strict diet whatever it is that's the the craze and they're going yeah well I'm seeing results but then they can't follow through and and I, I wonder if they're seeing results because they're just eliminating all the other stuff. Of course. You know, like people will, talk, uh, you know, I happen to be celiac, so I am gluten-free, but um, they'll mm-hmm. eliminate gluten. They'll be like, well, I, I lost weight. Or some people will say, oh, actually, I gained weight when I start eliminated gluten because they were starting eating all these processed Which foods are higher that, in calories. You know, really weren't the all that healthy. Products, they, were, yeah. they were gluten-free, but they weren't healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just... I think I think you hit it absolutely that it really depends on where you're starting and that when we see these dramatic results uh, yeah and you know, I, I one of the things I tell clients is just about any of these diet plans out there extreme or crazy as they may be they will work if you follow them to the letter the problem mm-hmm. is that most people can't follow anything that detailed with that much change to the letter long term and so Yes, would eating lower carb work? Sure. You know, you name a craze, it will work. And (laughs) will it work long-term? And will it work long-term for you? And I think that's the most important message I would want people to hear is what's going to work for you long-term? And in the book, in the chapter that really focuses around nutrition, I talk about, you know, what's the filter? (laughs) What are the questions you need to ask before you start any nutritional program? You know, is this going to work, you know, just to give you a snippet, like, is this going to work for your life? You know, can you commit to this long term? You know, does it work for your family? You know, one of the things that I think as a, as a, a mom that kind of doesn't resonate with me is I don't ever want to be the mom that's eating a different meal than her child. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's a message that we're sending the kids that, I have to eat a certain way and you, like, we have to all, I mean, we all do need to listen to our bodies for sure. And, you know, when mom's not eating because she's drinking shakes or mom's not eating because she's intermittent fasting, again, I'm not picking on anything, you know, any different programs. Like, if it works for you, that's fine. But I just wonder what the message is to children there. And I do think about how this kind of cycle we're in with our relationships with our food and our bodies, how does that, I, I think we have an opportunity to break the cycle, and I think that part of that is how do we, as moms, I, I think that we have a really powerful role there. Well, and I think, um, you know, if you're wanting to eat healthy, as opposed to like not counting calories and being on a diet, but just making those better choices, let's have vegetables at every meal and and that kind of thing. Wouldn't you want to teach your child that? So that, you know, they're eating healthy too, not necessarily on a diet. I'm not saying put your child on a diet. I'm just saying teach them, you know, the nutrition factor instead of going, okay, well, you get the macaroni and cheese, but I'm not going to do that, which is also teaching them the wrong thing, which I know happens a lot where um, or as let's say the child has allergies and they're eating a certain way and then they're left out and in this corner eating a certain way and the rest yeah. of the family doesn't doesn't participate in, in both scenarios it, I, it does send the wrong message because you know we're not learning to be inclusive we're not learning to eat yeah. properly and we're not teaching the right things yeah. Well, we have conversations in my house because I am celiac and uh, we're suspecting that my, my youngest son is as well. And so, you know, half of our household does have gluten on occasion and half of our household doesn't. So we have these conversations about, well, mommy's body doesn't respond. I can't eat that because it's like an allergy. That's the best way we can explain it to them. And, and so my because my eldest has allergies, so they understand that. And so mm-hmm. for me, I'm not going to have that gluten because it doesn't work for my body. And I I think that's a powerful message as well. Like we all get to try on and experiment the way of eating that works for our bodies and we might make tweaks within the kind of family meal, but in general the family meal is just the family meal. And there's quite a bit of research that shows how impactful having a family meal is, not just from um, nutritional and health perspective, but from mental health perspective and connection and all of these other really important things that family meals can be a huge asset to our health overall. 
Well, yeah, and sitting down and enjoying. And, you know, I've, I've one uh, patient who, um, although her health is, is a challenge, she wants her children to grow up to be healthy. She also says she doesn't want to be that mom that won't let her kids mm-hmm. go to a party and eat the cake right. or do this or do that, right? So so yeah. there, there's, a, there's a give or take there where she's letting her, her children explore and experiment. But at home, they eat healthy and they understand nutrition yeah. and they know, well, I've got to have my green things and I've got to do this. But yeah. They're, they're not like living in a bubble of I've got to be on this health diet because it, it, they're children and um, you know she just wants them to learn to be healthy but that doesn't mean that they can't indulge on some absolutely occasions. and you know that's one of the things I like to help people understand is that ha- going to a party and having a piece of cake or having a more indulgent meal can be part of you living a healthy lifestyle. Your health isn't an on and off switch. It's not a wagon. So like having a treat, not a cheat, a treat is is not you quote unquote falling off the wagon. It's actually you enjoying your life. But you know, for goodness sakes, if you're going to have a treat, make sure you enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about it. But maybe then the very next choice, know that you can actually have a healthy choice, you know, um, especially with nutrition. What I notice a lot of is, you know, you get to lunchtime, maybe you forgot to pack your lunch, you have uh, a more indulgent lunch out than you were planning on, and then you write off the rest of the day. And, you know, if that day happens to be on a Thursday, well, you might even write off the rest of the week and you'll start fresh on Monday. And then, oh, and by the way, if that happens in November or December, then maybe we'll just start back in January. <laughs> you know, and we, we see this kind of, I'm off the wagon. And then what happens between now and whatever that date you've decided off in the future when you're going to climb back on the wagon, kind of... Um, everything goes off the rails. You stop exercising. You don't eat very well. You maybe eat even more indulgently than you would have if you just said, okay, hey, that was just one meal. That was just, or even that was one weekend where everything was a little bit more indulgent. And, you know, today is a great day to kind of get back to my normal way of eating. Mm -hmm. And I think especially as we are in the midst of holiday season, I think it's a really important message that you don't have to wait till January 1st. In fact, there's nothing magical about that day. You could actually just start now and do the things you can do. Um, You know, what can you, you know, even coming into holiday meals, can you be more mindful about your choices? If you really love grandma's pie, have a slice of grandma's pie. Savor it. Enjoy it. Consider it a treat. Consider that part of you having a healthy relationship with food and a healthy lifestyle. And then, you know, maybe skip the, you know, the candied yams that you don't really like, you know, yeah. and, and have the pie instead and look at how you can balance your plate and maybe just try to make sure that there's some vegetables on the plate, you know, and find that, well, find that balance. It, it, exactly. You know, um, I, I always start people, um, especially because I'm dealing with people that are sick, I have them avoid gluten, dairy and sugar. And yeah. that's how they feel. And they find that usually one or all of those irritates them. And I always yeah. explain to them, you know, on a on a special occasion, or even just once every week or so, have a yeah. have a, a treat, but pick that in the realm of what works for you. So I also have celiac disease. So this is a good little party we're having. But at Christmas, I want pumpkin pie. So I order a gluten-free pie because I do not make that very well on my own. And it, it has sugar in it. And you know what? It it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm picking it in a realm of what's going to work for me because I know I totally. react to that. But also it, it's Christmas or I'll do that on my birthday yeah. or, you know, and and it, it's but then I also tell people, OK, well, Christmas isn't a month long, just like you're saying. So yeah. how, go to Christmas parties and do whatever. But, you know, what? the party's not happening the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't well, have to drag that on. Well, and there's not a magic switch that happens on a Monday or on January 1st that all of a sudden our body knows any different. Like, genuinely, every single choice you make, even in a day, is a clean slate opportunity. And so, you know, you have the big holiday meal. Well, you know, if you have your big holiday meal midday, you know, but you're not still at that holiday event in the evening, well, then choose to have maybe a lighter and a more healthy dinner, you know, um, and really listening to your body and make sure that you're hydrating and do what you can to be healthy through that day. Maybe you can get your family out for a walk 
or you can do something else that's physically active um, through the day. So you have that balance of like still actually being reasonably healthy, but also still enjoying these really fabulous family times. Mm-hmm. Which is important too. I mean, if you're going out with your friends and you're like, oh, I can't have a glass of wine even, yeah. and you're sitting there watching them all do this, moping, moping <laughs> about it, and and not really participating in whatever you're celebrating yeah. or just the girls' night or whatever, you're gonna feel that. You're gonna feel Absolutely. you know weird about that. Whereas if you can just have you know a glass of wine and and enjoy yourself, you don't have to binge mm-hmm. drink, which we shouldn't be doing anyway. But but. Exactly. You know, enjoying your time out, but just don't do that every day. I think you're going to feel better about the process that you're going through. Yeah. One of the things I, I like to help remind people is that, you know, f- food is absolutely about nourishing our bodies, but some of our food choices are about nourishing our soul. And so mm-hmm. sometimes, and, and, you know, think about the, be, it's beyond the food. So having that glass of wine with girlfriends is about connection and, and having those really power. And, and what's the impact on our health, mental and spiritual, of having those connections? That's quite profound, actually. You know, you think about the cookie that you share with your child by the Christmas tree, or you think about those other really connecting moments in your life where it's about nourishing something beyond your physical body and so it's it's understanding that balance of most of the time I eat foods that nourish my body and really work for my body you know and I I've tailored that based on listening to my body and how I respond to foods and then you know 10 to 20% of the time or whatever the number is for you I just eat to enjoy my life and I eat to nourish my spirit and nourish my soul. And Mm -hmm. there's that balance that you're going to find for you and it won't offer you, if you take that approach, it won't offer you those very sexy results in 20 days or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but you will have lasting results, which is way, in my opinion, (laughs) way more sexy, way more exciting to have this long-term healthy relationship with your body, with your uh, with your relationship with food, with fitness, and the sustainability factor is just so much more enjoyable. And it's not well, this kind of punitive, I have to go on a diet in January. Well, exactly. And it's what we do most of the time, not what we do sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, I want yeah, to thank you so much for for joining me today. If anybody wants any more information, how can they get a hold of you or your book? Absolutely. They can visit elephantinthegym.com to learn more about the book. Um, If they're interested in connecting with me, they can use the contact form there. They can also find more information about me and my coaching practice at superu.ca. And they can use contact information on there as well. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to thank um, everybody for being here today. It's the last show of the year. And so I hope that this helps you not to set goals in the new year and to find something that works for you. If you want more information about my journey uh, back to health, you can find my story on my website at dr-risk.com. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can always send me questions at anantacalgary at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today and be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.